0: Striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence, this is The Chaser Report.
1: Hello and welcome to an afternoon edition of The Chaser Report. And our guest this afternoon, Charles and I are talking to South Australian Senator Rex Patrick of the Rex Patrick team, therefore effectively an independent. Hello, Rex. G'day, how are you? How did you come up with the name for your team? Uh, It was a very, very uh,
0: long uh, uh, thinking process It took uh, a team of about 10.
2: So you're, you're a, an upper house, you know, senator for South Australia. In the footsteps of Nick Xenophon, does that mean that you have
0: to have novelty oversized props everywhere you go? Look, I did try a prop. I did wear a submarine into the Senate chamber once. Uh, but <laughs> look, look, Nick and I are different characters. I was actually Nick's advisor uh, for a few years, and, uh, and, and so he really taught me. Quite a lot.
1: Were you pro or anti the big props in your advisory capacity?
0: <laughs> well, I, I I don't have. I'm going to declare this, guys. I, I'm a an engineer. I'm an accidental po- politician. I love Foi. I read high court cases on the weekend. You guys are really funny and witty, and so I, I feel like I need a bell if you guys ask me for something funny, uh, so that I can you know I can stay in my very my comfort zone of being really serious.
1: <laughs> Not at all. I bet. I mean you are one of the perfect people to be in the parliament because who would have known that much of the past term has been all about submarines of all things. It's been the submarine parliament. I mean, this is something you actually worked on submarines, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I was a submariner. I I know, know about them. And it actually makes me really effective at things like Senate estimates where I confront admirals uh, who are trying to perhaps defend a a poor position. And uh, I do know a lot of detail. So, uh, and it's actually really, really helpful.
2: But hang on. So, yeah. so were
0: you involved in the making of the Collins-class submarine? Was that yours? Uh, no, I was actually an, an Oberon-class uh, submariner. Oh. I, I was actually one of the first people posted to, to HMAS Collins, and the, and that submarine was in a lot of trouble at the time. And I'm a kind of guy who wants to do stuff to be able to you know, sort of give effect to change and to do good things. And uh, it was one of the reasons I left the Navy was because I was just trapped in this project that wasn't going to get good for some time and that, and that I couldn't actually do much to, uh, you know, to, to help it out. So, um, so I ended up leaving uh, the Navy and, and helping from the outside, actually.
2: So we're going to uh, talk a little bit about some of the things that you've done over the last six years straight after this.
1: Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live.
0: The Chaser Report, news a few days after it happens.
1: So, Rex, I'm, I'm really keen to get your take on what's happened with submarines because it seems so baffling to have just gone from this, the French model, which apparently could have been nuclear. They were originally nuclear, but we just asked them to be made non-nuclear, and then we dumped them and went for another kind of nuclear submarine that we don't even know what it is yet. What's your read on all these um, kind of conniptions and changes?
0: Oh, look, it's all very crazy. Uh, let me tell you, I spend a lot of time not just on Australian submarines. I've been to sell on Greek submarines. I've been to sell on South Korean submarines. I've been to sell US nuclear-powered submarines. And I'm, I'm really frustrated. I think Australia could have gone and bought uh, an off-the-shelf submarine that they could have built here in, a, in Australia. They could have had 20 submarines for $20 billion. We have a, we have a problem. We have uh, 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 admirals, generals, air marshals, who have no project experience, uh, uh, basically making recommendations to Cabinet Ministers who've got no project experience at all. And we end up going down these hugely risky paths that just cost the taxpayer. 2009, we started to try and find a a new uh, future submarine. And here we are in 2022, and we're still just generating a report. It's just unbelievable. So what what do we need? I think we need... uh, to go to Germany or, or Japan and get one of their off-the-shelf submarines. We build them here in Australia and then we HSV them. Like, uh, you know, we, we, we take a Commodore uh, car and we, we make it better using Australian industry. And that, that, that way we'll get a submarine that we can use in the next few years. Right now the the delivery timeframe for the future nuclear submarine is 2040 in circumstances where the threat Uh, from our north, from China, is uh, a 2030, if not 2020, problem. Mm.
2: And and in terms of getting Australian industry into that, I remember in sort of 2017, 2018, there was concern that Australia was going to enter a sort of valley of death where, you know, all the sort of old submarines were coming, you know, off the production line and there wasn't going to be enough jobs to keep people employed in in this industry and it, the whole industry would sort of disappear. Has that actually happened? Or, like, if we did do an off-the-shelf option, would there be enough industry there to actually do the building and do the upgrades?
0: Yeah, well, we went from a valley to a chasm, you know, a, a Grand Canyon. Uh, that, that's where we're at now. Uh, look, we could take uh, the industry we have now and we could build uh, a, a relatively off-the-shelf submarine, uh, and we could be cutting steel in two years' time. Uh, and you know, for me, that's what's needed from an industry perspective, but also from a national security perspective. We got, well, yeah, you know, we can't have our submariners going off to battle in 2032 mm. in an aging Collins class submarine. That that is just. Uh, the wrong thing to do for our sailors.
1: I and mean, I know you're going to say yes because you're from South Australia and it's it's important in terms of jobs. And I don't, I don't want to minimise that, but given the urgency of this, does it actually matter to have it built in Australia? Because we don't build anything much else in Australia, certainly cars we've just given up on. Why is it important to actually make subs here as opposed to just buying ones that work and that have been made elsewhere?
0: Well, firstly, we shouldn't have given up on the cars. You've got to have a critical mass in order to be able to do manufacturing and sometimes that takes a little bit of government investment. But... Uh, one of the great things about the Collins-class submarines now, now that we've sorted them out, is that we have in-depth knowledge from the build activity. We, we generated knowledge that actually uh, helps us now as we try to keep those submarines running. And so it's, a, it's about having a sovereign sustainment capability for the submarines.
1: Next, you'll be saying that governments should be able to make their own PPE and rats and vaccines on shore. Yeah,
0: I know. It's just there's a crazy idea, but, you know, I, I keep saying, one of the problems we've got is we just keep exporting our rocks. Instead of exporting uh, iron ore, I want to see us exporting steel. Instead of exporting uh, lithium, I want to see us exporting battery because because it's that that next stage where the jobs are created, the intellectual property is created, the, the money flows around uh, the economy. Uh, that's where we want to be. And that may well take government inv- government investment, but that's how we make our economic pie bigger or tastier, as opposed to the, the government at the moment really just trying to work out how to carve the current pie up.
1: We've got to do more here. Well, they're big on government investment into new gas plants, by the sounds of things. But anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, don't don't get me started on that.
1: But uh,
2: now, Rex, the, the first time I ever heard about you was, it was about a year ago now, I think, which is you started doing FOIs um, to try and get all the, Minutes of the national cabinet
0: meetings. So, can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, look, uh, everything the government does, they do uh, for public purpose and on your coin, right? So, we actually have a, a, a right to look in and see what it is they're doing and how they're going about making the decisions, decisions, and particularly in cases where it involves. Uh, putting people in quarantine, uh, shutting our borders, sending our kids to school during a pandemic. We ought to be able to see the medical advice. We ought to see what economic uh, advice influences the decisions and so forth. So um, I wanted to get access to some of that uh, material. And, uh, look, when the Prime Minister made the National Cabinet in response to the pandemic, I don't have a criticism of him doing that. He basically shut down a body called COAG, uh, Council of Australian Governments, and started up this new national cabinet because he wanted to streamline it, but then he wrapped cabinet secrecy around it. So basically said, we're going to do all of our big decision-making in complete secrecy. Now, I get it when you're doing that because you want to buy a fighter jet. I get that you do that when you're trying to work out what you're going to do with the intelligence services. But when you're talking about people's health and uh, their liberties, you can't do that. So, uh, look, I quickly... Uh, um, Realise that the national cabinet is not a cabinet. A cabinet is actually a body that comes from one parliament that is responsible to one parliament, has characteristics like collective responsibility and uh, cabinet solidarity. You'd, uh, of course, the national cabinet is made up of nine jurisdictions, nine, you know, the, pre- the prime minister and uh, territory ministers and, and premiers, uh, Uh, and they're all of different parties. And we see the Prime Minister at the end of a a conference come out and uh, a a, a cabinet meeting come out and say, look, uh, this is what the National Cabinet is going to do, but Mark McGowan in Western Australia is going to do something different. Mm. And that's not how a cabinet works. But the reality is is, it's an intergovernmental meeting, and Australians always had a right to get access to those sorts of documents, except in circumstances where it might have caused harm. And I don't have a problem with uh, documents being withheld if it it genuinely causes harm.
1: Isn't cabinet confidentiality really important? Let's say if you're the prime minister and you're just trying to trade off uh, an integrity commission for religious discrimination bill and you don't want to get embarrassed when that leaks to the media?
0: Yeah, well, you know, you've got to you got to protect that embarrassment factor. You know that that's the fundamental, uh, the, the, the holy grail.
2: But, but so how did, how did it work? Like, so you asked for all the minutes of these national cabinet meetings because the national cabinet was just sort of a thing that Scott Morrison just made up, right? And, that's right. And they said, no, you can't have them. It's secret.
0: Is that right? Yep, yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. So they they make a decision that says you can't have them because they're they're. Uh, Exempt under section uh, uh, 33 of the FOI Act, which is sort of national, uh, uh, which is cabinet.
1: So can't you call anything a cabinet? Like, shouldn't shouldn't Annabelle Crabs' kitchen cabinet show have been completely confidential? (laughs) Well, it should have. I think it should (laughs) have
0: been. So 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 they make a claim that under the law it's exempt, and I then said, well, I actually don't think that the cabinet is the national cabinet is a cabinet for the purpose of the FOI Act, Mm. and I challenged that uh, firstly to the information commissioner who said well this, this issue is too big uh, she um, re- decided not to make a decision that allowed me to go to the AAT the administrative appeals tribunal and when they got it they said oh this is quite a big case you've got to put a, a, a federal court judge onto it and then uh, you know the Commonwealth decided to put a QC uh, to argue their case and I had to dig around and try and find an SC uh, to that to argue the case and and uh, that's what happened. And uh, Justice White of the federal court, even uh, you know, sitting as a presidential member of the AAT, basically came out and said, National Cabinet is not a Cabinet. You can't take something that's a – the Prime Minister can't take a cat and say it's a dog. Mm. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. And, and I mean, that was – it was
2: huge. Like, like You basically got to then read all the documents that had been being kept secret for more than a year, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, and, and, and the funny thing it was it wasn't sensitive stuff. Look, I accept that when you're sitting around the Cabinet table and, you know, the Prime Minister says, I want to do this and uh, and uh, Anastasia Palaszczuk says, no, I'm going to do something different, that those deliberations, those conversations ought to be held confidential. But the brief that goes in on, uh, on uh, the safety of children uh, and... Yeah, the, the other advice, we ought to be able to see that and we ought to be able to see the decision. So I mm. respect the deliberations ought to be held confidential and so did Justice White, uh, but not, 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 not the advice that goes in there. Look, if, mm. if
1: we'd taken that approach in New South Wales last year with our lockdown, if we'd actually known what the health advice was that, that was being provided to the government, we wouldn't have had to just trust Gladys Berejiklian when she said we always follow the health advice. Even though the rumor was that they didn't do that, I mean, how could she possibly get up and say we always follow the health advice if we knew that she wasn't? The government will fall to pieces. Exactly, but then you'd have truth in
0: politics, and that could be a very dangerous mm. thing as well. So, well, has, so, there, has you know, there been consequences
2: from that decision? Like, it, has it sort of brought other people out FOIing other things?
0: Uh, yes, it has. I, I think I think one of my greatest achievements as a senator will have, will 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 possibly be the fact I made. FOI sexy okay so <laughs> you know
2: that's,
0: but there, I, I know there are lots of people that have now used the process to seek access to national cabinet documents and other and other documents and I get calls to my office now with people saying can you tell me how to do an FOI it's actually a pretty pretty easy thing to do mm. um uh it's just the process that follows that where the government always just says no you can't have you can't have access to documents and and did did it cost you money uh, yes, it did. It cost me uh, about $990 for uh, the application fee to the AAT, which I paid personally. But because I won, I got most of it back. So it's, it's okay. And, and I, I take that money, I use that for the next Foi challenge. <laughs> Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. None of the medical advice contained in the Chaser Report should legally be considered medical advice.
2: The Chaser Report. Well, obviously there was a little, there was an attempt at secrecy at which you managed to get away, which brings us to sort of the federal ICAC, uh, which I know you've been very strong about. What, what, what happened? Why did we not? Because Scott Morrison promised to have a federal ICAC three and a half years ago.
1: But Charles, we would if, if only the other members of the cabinet had taken his deal on the discrimination bill, we'd have it right now.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, but what, so, so, what's so going on there? A, it, it wasn't. A, it mustn't have. It mustn't have been a core promise. So, you know, I don't know. But um, look, I, I just don't think that the prime minister wants one. If you look at all of the things that happened, I know. I, I remember listening to uh, a podcast you did with uh, with Katie Gallahu who talked about mm. in the lead up to the election, the the, the government basically spending taxpayers' money uh, on on car parks in marginal seats. Now, just to explain to your listeners, uh, all public funds must be spent on the basis of merit and need, okay? Right. Uh, you can't take taxpayers' money and spend it on a car park because you get a personal benefit out of it uh, by by way of getting re-elected. That is corruption. Mm, yes. And, uh, you know, uh, we've had sports rorts, we've <laughs> had blind trusts, we've had Uh, We've had uh, water buybacks that are just just odd uh, pricing for, for, you know, really, really high pricing uh, for the Commonwealth in buying back water. Uh, We've had people being appointed to the AAT, uh, highly paid jobs, very secure jobs that that aren't uh, on the face of it qualified. Uh, And uh, I don't think the government wants any of that looked at Mm, because I think a lot, I think some of them would get into a lot of trouble.
1: So, on the face of what we know now, Rex, um, if there's a, a hung parliament, if the um, if if the Senate has a role in determining who becomes prime minister or which bills are passed, based on what's been said and done, who are you inclined to support?
0: Oh, you're so you're talking about if, if there's a, an election. Well, firstly, in the Senate, um, I don't get to decide who will be government. That's that's a matter for the House. Um, uh, so the government is formed in the House of Representatives. So I don't get to make that decision. Um, if I get re-elected, I don't. But I don't look at this from a Labour or Liberal or left or right uh, perspective. I look at it from a right or wrong perspective. I'll work with the government if I think what they're doing is good, and I'll work with the opposition if I think what the government is doing is bad. And it doesn't matter who's in government. That's actually the role of a of an in, of an independent. We're not constrained by a party who says you can or can't raise an issue. We see things we don't like or we do like and we raise them uh, and we use all of the tools available to us, whether it's an inquiry, whether it's media, whether it's a speech in parliament, a question across the uh, across the chamber to, to a minister. We have all these tools that are available and we are unconstrained in what we do. My job is to cause public interest trouble. Mm. It's a great job. I love it. <laughs> and... Uh, uh, and by doing that, you get good outcomes.
2: I love the idea of public
0: interest trouble. I I, I, I kind of want to do that. I, that's what my, I want my, to do. <laughs> my daughter the other day was just asking me these questions on text. So I, I was sitting in the Senate chamber, and she was obviously doing some assignment, and she was asking me, you know, what was your first job, Dad? What, what uh, was your second job? What's your dream job? I said, well, I'm in my dream job. I'm in my dream job because... Actually, I have no one who is my boss other than the South Australian people. I'm very mindful of that. But, I, you know, if the the Prime Minister, if the Prime Minister doesn't like what I'm doing, that's even better because it attracts more attention to whatever it is that I'm raising. You know, it's just, it's just fantastic. I've got the best job in the world. Um, and what frustrates me is there's all these other backbenchers who, uh, you know, who basically sit in their offices waiting for instructions. They're not off doing FOIs. They're not off raising... You know, contentious issues, because they're all basically trying to manoeuvre themselves to a point where they may one day become a minister. And I'm never going to be a minister. Uh, I just want to get things sorted out. And I don't also want. I don't. I don't want to take on the world and make it perfect. I just want to make it better every day. You know, every day I want to make do something where I go. You know what? The world's a slightly better place.
1: It's been a big cycle for independents. We've seen a lot of um, people running in lower house seats. um, Some of the a kind of climate change focused, independence and, and so on. What do you think is going to happen in, in this election? Do you think that um, the Australian people are going to vote for a lot more people like you, even in the lower house?
0: Well, I, I think one of the problems we've got is people have just lost confidence in both of the major parties. And that means they have to look somewhere else to plant their vote. And there are a lot of very capable people uh, who who you know, who are independents uh, where they can land land a vote and i think it is going to be a very interesting uh, election in that regard uh, we've got um uh you know hopefully a situation where well you know if we just step back to this week this week in the parliament we saw that um that we uh, th- that it was the independence that led in the religious discrimination bill moving the the amendment that ultimately caused uh, what was a very bad bill to end up uh, dying uh, as on its way to the Senate. Meanwhile, in the Senate, I was doing things like disallowing some uh, outrageous regulations that the Treasurer had put in place. Mm. Uh, we, uh, we were doing all the hard yards. We've got some great independence in the, in, the, uh, uh, in the Parliament, and I think people are now looking at that going, you know, that's not a bad, that's not a bad way to go. Uh, I, think, I think it's going to be a very interesting election.
2: Well, well, I mean, here in New South Wales, our ICAC was brought in when there there was a hung parliament in the lower house and Nick Greiner did a deal with the independents saying, well, I'll bring in uh, an ICAC if you vote me back in, which became very ironic because then Nick Mm -hmm. Greiner got chucked out by the ICAC. But, um, But will the upper house independents, like say a piece of Federal ICAC legislation goes through in the next parliament and there's a balance of power in the Senate, does that mean you get a big say in the amendments to sort of make the bill better? Like, I assume if Labor does get in, they will bring in a Federal ICAC bill, but it will be limited in scope because they're a major party. Is there a... Like, will there be a role or will it be something where because... They've got a majority in the lower house. There's not a huge amount that you can do from the
0: upper house. No, it's just, it's the same as what happens now, where the government controls the lower house. I was whenever people come to parliament and the, and the green bells ring, which is the House of Reps, uh, I always say, look, we already know what the answer is with uh, with a vote. You know, mm. The Senate's much more exciting. You, you just it's almost a lottery. You, you, you can watch and see what happens with the legislation there. But you know, the Labor Party may come in. They may well. Uh, uh, bring in a, an ICAC bill, there'll be pressure from particularly New South Wales uh, Labor senators, uh, there'll be some uh, Labor senators and members, and there'll be some that have got skeletons in their closet that will not want it to be perhaps as strong as as is necessary. And that becomes the job of both the independents in the lower house and in the upper house to put that pressure on. To, you know, because because you're going to have a situation where if, if Labor were in power, in the Senate... Uh, both Labor and, and the Liberals may be comfortable with a not-so-teethy ICAC. Mm. That's why independents are really, really important. We can, you know, we've got people like me that can make a lot of noise, Jackie Lambie, she's pretty good at making noise mm. uh, and drawing attention. And, and look, politics is about, is about positioning and pressure. That's what we do. We put pressure for a better outcome. Uh, and, uh, yeah, independents are really good for that.
1: And I mean, in the past, we've seen Senators, <clears throat> Brian Harradine was very good at this, cutting deals on something else that's less important to them to get the things that are important to them over the line. In terms of your hierarchy of things that you want to see in the next term of the parliament, if you're re-elected, um, how high is the, the, the federal ICAC on that list?
0: Uh, it's absolutely uh, uh, right at the top there. Because I think most South Australians and indeed most people across Australia want to have the confidence... In their government and in their parliament to do the right thing and without a federal ICAC you can you you can basically uh, assume that there is at least some corruption uh, taking place. Uh, my view is it has to be a uh, uh, an ICAC with with great teeth and I say that because the success of an ICAC is if it's really really got a, a strong bite then no one will do anything wrong. If it's weak People will try and cut corners. They'll try and do sneaky things. Uh, it's got to be an ICAC with teeth.
1: Well, I hate to disappoint you, but based on the New South Wales experience, having an ICAC with teeth, people will still do things that are wrong. Yeah, they, yeah, just they, might, get, yeah, they, they just might yeah. get caught. Lots of people in think, jail as a result <laughs> of like yeah. Years after
2: it became the Now, before we go, i just got one last question, which is that there has been a lot of sexual misconduct in Parliament House uh, it, over the last few years, um, and I'm just wondering, have they done anything to, to, um, you know, solve the problem of really alluring desks uh, that that is uh, plagued by well, okay. the house?
0: Uh, so Kate, Kate Jenkins, hands down her report uh, that talks about sort of workplace standards, and and look, no, I, I just don't understand how we get into a situation where there's sexual misconduct taking place. It just, uh, well, maybe I do understand it, but it just, it, doesn't, it just doesn't fit in my thinking. But if I look at what happened this week, one of the recommendations of Kate Jenkins was to make sure that we have a safe and, and uh, um, sort of responsibly run work, workplace. And what does the Prime Minister do? On Wednesday night, he runs the, the, the House of Reps through to 5am in the morning. Mm. You know just yeah you know, so and 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 that was done for political reasons uh n- nothing to do you know everyone else is out in in the in the streets wondering about the cost of living mm. aged care a whole range of really important issues and the prime minister has got this religious discrimination bill that he that he pumps through the parliament and and makes people sit until five am in the morning and i just go you know what hasn 't got it mm. well, I, I, the, the the sexual misconduct in, in Parliament House. There's lots of power uh, di- differentials there, and I can you know, I can see how that creates a, a problem. There's long hours. There's alcohol. Uh, there's people who sort of live in this sort of cost, claustrophobic world who are trying to advance uh, themselves. Uh, it, you know, this takes leadership, and I'm talking about leadership by members and senators. And ultimately, if it's the members and senators doing things wrong, leadership by the party leaders. And that is an area where I think we've been let down uh, in the past, and I hope that that changes.
1: Well, Rex, you've made the most of your uh, term so far, replacing Nick Xenophon in the Senate, and all the best for what's ahead.
0: Thank you very much, guys.
2: Our gear
1: is from Rode Microphones, and we are part of the ACAST Creator Network. Catch you next
2: time.